Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. We've been going through the book of Joshua together, and we've come to uh, the end of the book, Joshua chapters 23 and 24. We're looking at Joshua's farewell addresses to the people of Israel. We saw in chapter 22 him dismiss the two and a half tribes to their homes across the Jordan River and the altar that they made uh, and all of the commotion that was caused by the making of that altar. And here in chapter 23, now we are going to see Joshua really charge the people uh, one last time to remain faithful to the Lord and warn them about what's going to happen if they uh, transgress their faithfulness to him. So we're going to start reading in verse 1, Joshua 23, verse 1. Now it came about after many days when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies on every side, and Joshua was old, advanced in years, that Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders and their heads and their judges and their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in years, and have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has been fighting for you. See, I have apportioned to you these nations which remain as an inheritance for your tribes, with all the nations with which I have cut off from the Jordan even to the great sea from the setting of the sun. And the Lord your God, he shall thrust them out from before you and drive them from before you, and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you." Be very firm then to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left in order that you may not associate with these nations, these which remain among you or mention the name of their gods or make anyone swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. But you are to cling to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out great and strong nations from before you. And as for you, no man has stood before you to this day. One of your men puts to flight a thousand. For the Lord your God is he who fights for you, just as he promised you. So take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. For if you ever go back and cling to the rest of these nations, these which remain among you, and intermarry with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know with certainty that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out from before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap to you, and a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Let's pray as we begin. Our Father in heaven, we ask that you would give us insight into these words, help us to understand not only their meaning for the people during the time of Joshua, but how they apply to our lives today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the commentators on the book of Joshua, a man by the name of Dale Ralph Davis, has written an excellent little commentary um, called No Falling Words. And in his section on Joshua 23, he writes this at the beginning of the chapter. 
When you drive in a heavy downpour or a thick fog, you psych yourself up to an extra measure of alertness. Your eyes try to peer 15 feet farther than is possible to see. Your body tenses in order to act should any sudden development require it. It's all very tiring and you long for a return to a more normal condition so you can relax. It's tough to stay on edge for very long. Yet even under normal conditions, both highway and town driving require a degree of alertness, not necessarily edginess, but of staying on edge. That is Joshua's concern in chapter 23. It's one thing for Israel to stay up for perhaps a five-year conquest, six-year, seven-year. It is another to maintain the vigor and vision over the long haul in order to complete the conquest and preserve its results. And so we see this is really what's in focus in chapter 23 as Joshua addresses the people of Israel. He wants them to stay on guard now. The conquest is over. That six or seven year period in which they swept through the land of Canaan and drove out the people and God showed himself powerful in miracles and wondrous displays. We saw the time of the inheritance and the division of the land in chapters 13 through 21. Now all of that is over. And for the first time in hundreds of years, the people of Israel have their own territory. They're to go home. They're to build up their homes. But in those things, all those things, they should be remaining faithful to the Lord. And this is what's going to become problematic for them. They should stay on guard and uh, maintain their alertness so that they're careful to obey the Lord and his word. And yet Joshua will warn them of exactly what will happen if they fail uh, in their attempt. So Joshua chapter 23, looking back at verse 1, it came about after many days when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their enemies on every side, and Joshua was old and advanced in years. Two things here that we're told. The Lord had given them rest on every side. This refers to the completion of the conquest of the land of Canaan, the initial driving out of all the people from the land. But as we've noted before, very quickly the Canaanites are going to come back in and resettle some of those territories. And there are pockets within the land where the Canaanites still possess strongholds. So the Lord, the author of Joshua here will, will speak of the total possession of the land of Canaan. And yet in the same passage, we will be told that it is up to the individual tribes now to go out and complete the conquest for their tribal allotment. We're told that Joshua is old here and advanced in years. In the next chapter, we find out he dies at the age of 110. So Joshua is most likely very close to that age here in this chapter. Uh, he had seen uh, much warfare during his lifetime. Remember the first 
perhaps 40 years of his life he had spent or more he had spent as a slave in the land of Egypt before the Lord had used Moses to powerfully bring up the people of Egypt out of the land, uh, the people of Israel out of Egypt and through the Sinai Peninsula for 40 years in the desert and then giving them Joshua as a leader to bring them into the land of their possession. Now in verse 2, Joshua calls for all Israel to come together the elders, the heads, the judges, the officers, the leaders of the people, in addition to the entire congregation. So he's addressing uh, perhaps specifically the leadership here, but in doing so, addressing all of the nation. And this is what he says to them, starting at the end of verse 2. I am old, advanced in years. He's essentially saying, my time on this earth is almost complete, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you, for the Lord your God is he who has been fighting for you. Joshua brings us back to a point that we've seen repeatedly through our study. The Lord was the one who was going to go out and go forth and do the work of conquering the land of Canaan. Ultimately, the Lord is behind Israel and working through Israel to conquer the land and enact judgment on the Canaanites. Joshua said to the people, you've seen everything that the Lord has done. You saw uh, the work of bringing the people of Israel across the Jordan River, the conquest of Jericho with its double walls, and just how difficult that seemed at the time. The conquest of Ai after the sin of Achan, the, the work of uh, bringing Gibeon together with the people of Israel, and then the conquest of the southern arena, God raining down hailstones on that those five kings and their confederation against Israel and against Gibeon, God causing the sun and moon to stand still in the sky so that Israel could complete the conquest of the southern arena. And then perhaps the most miraculous of all, God allowing Israel to go out and battle the northern coalition whose numbers are described as many as as many as the sand on the seashore and they have this next generation technology of chariots and uh, uh, weaponry and in spite of all that God allows Israel to conquer the northern territory as well Joshua says you've seen all of those incredible things you've seen them with your own eyes and the Lord your God is he who has been fighting for you. Verse 4, See, I have apportioned to you these nations which remain as an inheritance for your tribes. He's talking about the division of the land, everything that's happened in chapters 13 through 21. With all the nations which I have cut off from the Jordan, even to the great sea toward the setting of the sun. So we're given a, a geographical map of the land of Canaan. It's all of the area from the Jordan River to the west toward the Mediterranean Sea. Now in verse 5 we read, And the Lord your God, he shall thrust them out before you and shall drive them from before you and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. So here we see first at the beginning of this chapter the author speaking about uh, the people of Israel having rest in their land, 
And yet now Joshua says, the Lord your God is going to thrust out all of the rest of the peoples or everybody else that's in your territory. He will continue to be faithful to his word. In verse 7, he says, in order that you may not associate with these nations, these which remain among you, or mention the name of their gods, or make anyone swear by them. Joshua was concerned for the purity of the people. He did not want them intermingling with the Canaanites that they were to drive out and eradicate. We've mentioned this before, but the importance of this was that the Canaanite peoples had very different ways of life, different uh, religious system, and they would corrupt the people of Israel. We know from the history of Israel that this is exactly what happens. Almost uh, the very next chapters of the book of Judges talk to us about uh, the people of Israel falling into sin and the Lord raising up individuals to deliver them from the consequences of their sin and to call them back to himself. So Israel struggles to maintain their faithfulness to the Lord almost immediately after the time of Joshua. He is telling them here, if you want to continue uh, to have the Lord's favor and the Lord's blessing, you need to make sure that you don't associate with these nations. Now, there is a principle that's important here for the believer in Christ today. We are to be in the world and yet not of the world or associated with the world. We want to reach out to the world for Christ, sharing his good news, his gospel with them, and yet we do not want to be tainted or soiled or negatively impacted by the world around us. We want to be holy and lights to the nations, not affected or impacted by the nations. And to that degree, the history of Israel is very important for believers in Jesus today because it warns us that we should avoid the temptations of our world, of our society. It's very easy for believers in Jesus to uh, be negatively impacted by the cultures and societies in which we live. It's very difficult for us to keep ourselves apart and maintain holiness, uh, but that is the principle that we see in this chapter and one that will uh, ultimately come to light as we continue our reading next time. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit Emmaus.edu partner.